0: Okay, so we're we're gonna give, we're gonna begin here, and um, obviously we're living in a uh, very unique and unusual time. And let's give uh, just a moment or two to talk about that. Um, it's a time of uh, where there's a lack of security and many different types of worries, uh, whether health worries or financial worries or all different types of worries that there are. Um, and of course, as Yidden, you know um, on the one hand. We have to do whatever we're uh, told to do and whatever we're able to do to protect ourselves. And at the same time, ultimately, as far as worry is concerned, we put our betochen, we put our faith in Hashem, and we know that ultimately we are all in His hands always. Um, A vort that I once heard, and I've repeated many, many times, is that the word in Hebrew for worry is daiga, daaga. And um you know people talk about their worries, their dagois. The word daga really has four letters, which are the first, which are four out of the first five letters of the Aleph base. You have the Aleph and the Gimel and the Dalit and the hay, but it's missing a base. So what's written in Sfarim is that the letter bay stands for Bitachin, which is faith. And when a person is missing the base, when we're not strong enough in our bitochin, that's when the worries really begin. That's when the worries take over. That's when the daga begins. Uh, Versus when a yid really has bitokhin and works on our bitokhin, everything, of course, we all have it, but it's a question of thinking about it and working on it. So we recognize that ultimately what happens is totally not in our hands. Ultimately what happens is in Hashem's hands and Hashem will take care of us. And uh, of course, not in any way to make light of what we have to take, all precautionary measures that we can but ultimately, as far as worrying is concerned, we leave that to Hashem. and We uh, we put our complete faith that He'll take care of us and take care of all of us and our families and call Yisrael. And we'll see how all this leads Yemrit Hashem to a good place and a better place in Yemrit Hashem to the Gula Shlema. That's, uh, in general, the concept of Bitoche. Uh One more concept is that when a Yid does have different uh, tsarists and difficulties, one of the ways that we always found peace and we always were able to Uh, soar above it is through learning Torah. Of course there's tefillah, there's davening to Hashem but there's a special peace of mind that comes when a person is able to put everything away, put all their minds away, their thoughts away and devote ourselves to studying and learning Hashem's Torah. David HaMalach says in Tehillim, in uh, Kuf Yutes, he says Zmirais hayu kecha beves migurai, which literally means that your chukim, your laws, as they're explained in the Torah, were like songs for me in my ho- in the home of my afflictions, of my pain, of my terror. As we know, David Hamelech uh, lived a very difficult life, and he was uh, many times on the run, um, and many times from family members. So he really suffered very greatly. And he says, whenever he was in a state of tsaris, wherever he was, he had afflictions and tsaris and sar. So it was the words of Torah that were like songs for his soul, songs for his neshama that helped him remain besimcha and remain afloat and soar above whatever tsaras that he may have been going through at that time. And the Alter rebbe talks about this in Tanya, about this statement of David HaMelech, that the words of Torah were able to pick him up out of the difficulties that he was going through. And the Alter rebbe says, he explains, because really when one understands that Torah is way above and way beyond whatever goes on in this world. And really, everything that happens in this world is only through Torah. Torah is the spiritual, divine sources of energy through which whatever happens in this world really goes on. And that's why Torah gives us the various mitzvahs, and every mitzvah that we do affects this world and all worlds. So therefore, said, when I put my mind into Torah and I recognized that I was really soaring way above the world, So nothing worldly was able to uh, pull me down, was able to make me sad, was able to make me upset. And that's where I found true simcha in the words of Torah. Now, interestingly, David HaMalach is critiqued for that. And the way Hasidic explains it is because he was supposed to be able to reach even a higher level of appreciation of Torah, not just one that helps him through the difficulties of time. But nevertheless, it remains a pasuk in Tehillim with a powerful message of the power of of learning Torah, of of one immersing their mind in Torah and taking their mind off the different types of worries and concerns that we have, and in that way to sort of pick ourselves up above um, whatever we're experiencing at that time. So I'm happy that uh, even though we're involved in this very strange time and everyone is involved in many different uh, ways and concerns, nevertheless we take the time and to uh, study Torah, nothing could take a yid away from Torah. So if it has to be uh, not in person, face-to-face, but by phone, um, it really doesn't matter. Ultimately, we're able to, Baruch Hashem, enjoy the words of Torah. So, which brings us to our shir tonight, which also is going to be very connected to this, uh, the beauty and the power of Torah. Because we're holding by the eighth um, principle of the 13 principles of faith, the yud gimelik Kareemunah, as the Rambam um, describes them. And puts them down. So, um, in, uh, very quickly, we went through the first five. And the first five all dealt directly with Hashem, Hashem and Hashem's oneness, and the fact of, that Hashem is not connected to a body in any way, the fact that Hashem is the first entity and everlasting, um, the fact that Hashem is the only one to serve. That was the first five of the 13 principles of faith that dealt directly with Hashem. The next two, which we dealt in the previous classes, were devoted to prophecy. We talked about the truth of prophecy of nevuah Bechlal, that it's an everlasting principle in the Torah, that Hashem gives prophecy to people. And then we talked about, uniquely, the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu, and how Moshe Rabbeinu is called the father of all Nevi and the father of all prophets. So that was principles 6 and 7, devoted to prophecy in general, and the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu specifically. And that brings us to the 8th principle, the Iker Hashmini, the 8th principle, an extremely important, very important um, principle of our faith, and that is the concept of Torah min Hashamayim, that Torah is from heaven. And the Rambam talks about this, and I'm not going to read the entire quote of the Rambam again, I think we went through it once in the beginning of our series on this, but the Rambam talks about the fact that we believe that every word in the Torah, every word in the Hamish HaChom Torah, is directly from Hashem. And although the one who taught it to us and the one who wrote it down for us was Moshe Rabbeinu, says the Rambam, but we see, we look at Moshe Rabbeinu as only being a sofer, as only like a scribe who is transcribing the words of Hashem. And he who says that even one word of the Torah comes from Moshe Rabbeinu himself, says the Rambam is in denial of this basic principle of our faith. And he goes on to say that once we understand that, it's also important to note that there are many words in the Torah that don't seem to be so significant or so important. You know, there are the big mitzvahs and the big, uh, you know, the the, the parts of Torah that deal with the the essence of our faith. And then there's parts of Torah that just seem to be stories. And some that seem to be stories about things that have almost zero relevance. You know, the the story of certain nations and who fathered who and so on and so forth. And the Rambam is very strong about it that every word in the Torah has the same level of kedusha. And he says, for example, on the one hand, on the Torah says, you know, which is the first words of the Yeseris had And then the Torah also says, um, that the, uh, the third son of, um, of Noah, who is Ham, and Chom, we know, was a wicked son, he himself had sons. He had a son named Chukush, and had a son named Mitzrayim, who's the father of the nation of Egypt. Says, Rambam, there's no difference in the level of Kedusha, the level of holiness that there is. In Anochi Hashem um, Alukach, the words that ascribe the you know that are the basis of our belief of our Amuna, and the words Bnei Kham Kushim that that the children of Ham are Kushim these have exactly the same level of kedusha because they're both from one hundred percent from Hashem above. So that's another thing he talks about here. And finally, he talks about that this. Uh, this uh, principle of our belief that Torah is is not only for the written Torah, the five books of Moshe, but it's also for the oral Torah, for the interpretation of Torah that Moshe received from Hashem in heaven. That is just as much Torah min just as much from Hashem, um, and that's all part of this principle of belief. And he says that the pasuk that uh, talks that shows about all this is when um, when Moshe Rabbeinu tells Korach, because Kirah is the one who challenged you know, the truth of Moshe Rabbeinu's uh, sayings and the teachings of Torah. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, no, he says when, that a, a miracle is going to happen and the earth is going to open up and bezois teidun, through this you'll know ki Hashem shlokhani Hashem sent me. Lassus has kol ha mai to do whatever I said ki milibi, nothing comes from me, says Moshe Rabbeinu. And the Ramam quotes this as the, uh, as the Pasuk that, from which we see this principle that Moshe Rabbeinu is a scribe, Moshe Rabbeinu is a transmitter of Torah, but Torah is 100% min Hashemayim, Torah is from heaven. Every word of Torah is from heaven, um, inclu- including the explanation of how to do the mitzvahs, the oral tradition, all of that comes directly from Hashem. Um, and as we know, it's because of this principle of Torah min Hashemayim that Torah is from heaven that we don't have any permission to change anything in Torah, you know, versus um, other... Uh, Facets or types of, of from the Jewish people that have uh, suggested that because ABC they can change or they can vote or you know just like we have in the American law you have the concept you have amendments you can make amendments you can vote an, you can vote an amendment to a law to a basic law even if the law was written by the founding fathers but there could be an amendment to that law but in Torah because Torah and because of this concept that Torah is not man made but is God made so it's God made it's not something that's up to man. To change, to change in any way. So, so really, if you think about it, we have her three ideas. We have her the fact that the written Torah is from heaven. We have the fact that every word of Torah is full of secrets um, and said and therefore every word is significant and holy, even if we might not see that. And finally, we have the fact that this um, applies to um, the oral tradition to Torah Shabbal Peh as well. Um, in fact, there's something that I missed out. The Ramam writes that we should, that our greatest prayer and wish is that we should be able to um, understand and be revealed to us the secrets of the Torah. Um, he says that just like David HaMelech David, and he says in Tehillim, Gal Einai va'abita Niflois Miteira He davens to Hashem, Gal um, Einai, Open up my eyes. And let me gaze at the wonders in your Torah. So this, as Rambam, is what we are—we're supposed to go in the ways of David malach and also just always hope and learn and try to understand and try to reach greater heights of understanding the secrets of the Torah. So again, I'm sorry, reiterate—we have our three three uh, princi- three ideas in this principle that Torah shabiksavas min hashamayim the the um, the written, the five books of Moshe, and that every word in Torah is holy and full of filled with secrets way beyond what we can really um, ever fully comprehend. Okay, so there's a couple of points to talk about here. Um, one point that I don't want to spend much time on is this is something that was debated throughout the uh, ages. This is something that as a people, we were always asked, you know, what's the proof? How do you know Terra Min Um After all, there seems to be other religions and there's others who have different uh, traditions of truth. So how are we so sure and so certain about Torah Min that there was a terror from um, heaven, Torah Shebeksav, and Torah Shabalpin So that's something that, again, I don't want to, there's books written on this, many books written on this, and the different proofs Bible proofs and so on. Um, But just the basic idea that's been written so many times and said by so many of the Gedele Yisrael throughout the generations is that what sets our tradition of Torah and Torah and apart from any other religion is that it's based on something that was seen by millions of people together. When Torah was given to us um, from Hashem, it wasn't a prophecy of a great tzaddik, it wasn't uh, the prophecy of Avram or Yitzchak or Yaakov or Moshe Rabbeinu But it was rather, as the Chumash described, something that was seen by 600,000 men, and that's just the men, 600,000 men between the ages of 20 and 60, and then you have all the children, and you have all the elders, and you have all the women. So we're talking about millions of people, and no other religion and no other uh, tradition is based on something that so many people saw together. Um, just like today, if we would if someone were to decide decide something and, and tell us that a million people saw it, everyone's gonna ask where's the million people. So here we have millions of people who are giving something over generation after generation. Wow. That was always the uh, at least one of the basic foundational proofs that was mentioned that was written in the Sfarim, whether it's the Kuzri uh, or the Ramban or other great Sfarim that talk about this concept of terem and ashamayim. Um, as far when you talk about teresh bal um, the fact that there's the oral tradition and that the explanations for the mitzvahs and how do we know that, that comes from heaven. So again, we have the very very basic points, that just to, very quickly to run through them, and that is, firstly, Torah Shabbosav itself is a book that really has no way of understanding it. Uh, well, there's so many mitzvahs that are mentioned and there's no details given whatsoever as to how and what to do, and therefore Rambam says when Hashem gave us the Torah Shabbosav, the written tradition, the, the written Torah that is. Um, he taught with that, okay, what does it mean? So when I said to rest on Shabbos, what does it mean to rest on Shabbos? When I said, uh, you know, to take an esrit, to take a lulah, which fruit am I talking about? When it says um, to put on tefillin, where are you supposed to put it on? All of the mitzvahs of the Torah, it uh, talks about shechita, how and what and when and where, that was the guide, the Torah Shebal the explanation that was given to Moshe Rabbeinu, and that was in the forty days that he was in heaven, and then that's what he taught Klal throughout the forty years in the desert. Um, and that became that's what Moshe Rabenu, who gave us, who handed us the Torah also gave us the other part, which is Hashem's explanation to the mitzvahs of the Torah. Um, the other fascinating thing that I think is always important to note, and people talk about, oh, it's the oral tradition, it's rabbinic, and and who knows, you know, so many years, there could have been differences, there could have been changes. Um, so what's always important to remember is that Klal Yisrael is around for thousands of years. And we have 613 mitzvahs. And there's Yidin on every corner of the world. And there's Ashkenaz and there's Sfard, And there's every, literally every corner of the world. And wherever we have Torah jewelry, all of the 613 mitzvahs are the same. Right? No one has a different number. And no one has a different basic understanding to any of the mitzvahs of the Torah. Right? When we talk about Shabbos, everyone keeps Shabbos on the seventh day of the week. And everyone has knows that there's 39 malachas for Shabbos. And everyone knows that on Pesach we have matzah. And everyone knows that on, on, on Sukkot there's an Esrig and there's a Lulav and there's a hadas and an Arava and which species those are. Whenever we talk about differences between different communities, we're always talking about different traditions or different Nusach, which is different wordings of prayers, but the fact that there's three prayers a day, there's chakras and there's Mincha and mayra, the fact that there's musif. Um, there's no difference. You won't find a difference between Ashkenazic or Sephardic or Hasidic or non-Hasidic or Yemenite or Jews from any part of the world or any place that have any basic difference in the basic Teresh of that has been transmitted for these thousands of years. And there's no proof greater than the fact that we're everywhere and we're so old and we're still all doing the same thing. And again, people say, but there's differences. And then you ask them, what's the biggest difference you could think of of two types of Jews as far as observance of Torah? And uh, typically people will come up that uh, comes Pesach, the Sephardim will eat rice and Ashkenaz not, which which is not a mitzvah and it's not a and it's not a Derebonon, and we know exactly where it came from. And that's a tradition. It's a tradition that the rabbis in the Ashkenaz communities um, Said he uh, made this uh, as an institution, not to eat rice or legumes. But we're, in no way is there any difference here as far as the basic mitzvahs Midiraisa and medirabonon. And that this all just feeds back into this basic idea that Rambam is telling us about um, about the authenticity of Torah min hashamayim, that is one Torah given to us by Hashem in heaven through Meshur Rabbeinu both the Torah Shemitzav as well as its interpretation in Torah Pep. Okay, what I wanted to speak a little bit more about, though, um, just to make sure there's there's still people here. Yes. <laughs> okay, and you know, I'm talking yeah, to. Ma- yeah. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not seeing anyone, so I'm just making sure I'm not talking I to just myself unmuted. here. Muted. Okay, good, fine, fine. Okay. Um, yeah. What I wanted to talk more about is this that the Rambam is telling us about. How every word in Torah is so full, filled with meaning and with secrets and this. and therefore is, and as as he said, as I mentioned earlier, that the kedusha of Anochi Hashem the oneness of Hashem, is the same as the kedusha and the words of the Torah that seem to be totally um, with no relevance and just a story that happened with uh, with the Jews or with non-Jews in many cases, the stories and lineage and so on and so forth. So this is a very important idea, especially because what the Raman really is telling us is that there is so much more to the Torah than its face value. Um, Rabban, that's Nachmanides, in the beginning of his uh, commentary to Chumash, says a statement, he says that HaTorah midaberes bitachtoinim viremezes which means that Torah, even though it's talking, the things that whatever the Torah talks about is all physical things. It's talking about this world and the worldly um, and people and happenings and halachas. But it's medaber. So Ramban says midaberis, It's talking about things that are down here, there in the physical. But Re-mezis, it's alluding to, it's hinting to el things that are much more supernal and spiritual and esoteric. And again, so Nachmanides uses that as a basis for his commentary to Torah, that the Torah is talking on a physical plane, but is alluding to things that are on a spiritual and a holy plane. Much later than Ramb- so Ramban lives uh, probably 900 years ago. Later, a few hundred years later, you have the, the writings of the Shalah. The Shalah, Horowitz, lives some, I would say about 350 years ago. Um, and he wrote a sefer called the Shalah. The name Shalah stands for Shnei Luchais Habris. It's an acronym. And that is a Kabbalistic sefer. Um, the Alter Rebbe in Tanya very much bases himself on the words of the Shalah. And the Shalah says, he says, I would say it differently. The Ramban said that Torah is talking down here on the physical plane. And it's alluding to the way that things are on a spiritual plane. Shallah says, I think it's the contrary. The Torah really was talking about the spiritual plane, and it's alluding to the way things are down here as well. In other no, words, It's not really a debate between Ramban and Shalat. They're they're coming. They're just giving us two different perspectives. And the idea here is the following: Torah preceded this world. Torah was around before creation. The Gemara says, um Alpaim Shana Kadma Terra the Torah preceded this world by two thousand years. Now that statement itself has to be understood because before the world was created there weren't really years. So really it means levels. When say the terra preceded the world two thousand years, we're talking about levels that the Torah is two thousand levels, whatever those levels mean exactly, beyond anything in this world. So even though when we open a Chumash and we're reading a parsha, so we seem to be reading a story that happened. Or we are seem to be reading a halacha, you know, it's a halacha that deals with very physical stuff, with food or with damages or whatever, that particular halacha or the, or the building of a mishkan with wood and with gold and with silver and with copper. So we're reading about something quite physical. But yet the Torah was around before wood and copper existed and before animals existed and before damages existed so really when we're reading the tarot we're reading a physical expression of a spiritual concept and a spiritual idea a spiritual world a spiritual plane a spiritual malach and that expresses itself as well in this physical story that transpired or in this physical halacha that's there to teach us how to conduct our physical life. So therefore, depending from which perspective you're looking at it, Nachmanides says, well, we're in this physical world. So Torah is, you know, first and foremost telling us a physical story and a physical halacha. But it's alluding to a spiritual plane. Every physical halacha and every physical story is representative of deep and esoteric stories and creations and beings. Dishalah comes along and says, yeah, of course that's true, but it really, it works the other way. Torah initially was talking about the spiritual and the holy way before the world came into being, and then when the world came into being, those spiritual and holy and lofty ideas also express themselves in physical stories and happenings and halachis. So whichever perspective you're coming from, it's clear that the Torah that we have which every word of the Torah again has its physical way of being understood based on this world and the worldly, it has so much deeper meaning and so, and is really referring to so much deeper and higher and esoteric concepts and ideas. In fact, we know that the first word of the Torah is beratius um, and therefore starts with the letter bays and much has been Written in Sfarim about why the Torah starts with the second letter of the Aleph base, with the base and not with the Aleph. After all, if Aleph is the first letter of the alphabet, so that's because Aleph is the highest level or the first point, the point to start with. Why is it that the Torah starts with the base? And one of the reasons given, um, especially in Kabbalistic Sfarim, is because whatever we're reading in the Torah is only base, is the second level of the Torah. Is the worldly level, is the physical letter, level. But there's always the Aleph. There's the spiritual meaning behind it, the esoteric behind it. Now this is really what's called the Seydei Satayra, the secrets of the Torah, the esoteric parts of Torah, which we're somewhat familiar with through learning Hasidus, through the teachings of Hasidus, which is a continuation of the teachings of Kabbalah, which all, which, are there, which teach us that in in many cases, in many halachas, and many parts of Torah, the deeper and spiritual meanings to those words. And, in fact, it's written that the reason why in these years, in these last years, there is so much more revelation of the secrets of Torah is because it's a preparation for the coming of Mashiach. And the coming of Mashiach is the time when the secrets of Torah will really begin being properly revealed. The Pasek says, Torah chadasha me'iti Hashem says, A new Torah will come forth from me when Mashiach will come. Now what does that mean? Will there be a new giving of Torah? A new matan Torah? Says Chasidus, no, of course not. Hashem gave the Torah once by Harsinai. When Mashiach comes, there won't be another giving of the Torah. But when the Pasek says, Torah chadasha me'iti a new Torah will come out for me, that means the secrets of the Torah. The ones that were until this point, much more submerged, or not revealed, that will be revealed when Mashiach will come. And, in fact, in the beginning of Shir HaShirim, Song of Songs, by Shlomo HaMelech, right in the first pasuk, where it talks about the divine kiss. Right? We know that Shir HaShirim is written as an allegory of Hassan and Kala, husband and wife, referring to Hashem and the Jewish people. And it talks there about the divine kiss, Yashikenu Minishikas Piu, Rashi says, what's that kiss? That's the gilu'i soydas ha The revelation of the secrets of Torah that will be when Mashiach will come. So when the Torah was given to us by Har Sinai, what was primarily given was the revealed parts of Torah, where where we see in uh, the Torah the way it's written, which is again physical halachas, and a physical story, and what happened. But what's really behind it is the secret, the soydas of the Torah, representing the spiritual parts of the Torah, which will be fully revealed when Mashiach will come, and the advent to that is the teachings of Chesidus that we are privileged to have in our generations, which is a taste of those secrets of Torah. So all of this goes back to what Rambam is telling us here, that in this, and he says it as a principle of our faith, that we look at the Torah, and many times we see some sukkim seem to be so relevant and important and significant, and some um, sukkim seem to be so random and so unimportant, and so not relevant, then we might draw a distinction. You know, the you know the holy parts of Torah are the ones that you know are obviously so holy, and the other ones are perhaps less. And that's what Rambam is so strong about, so adamant about here in this principle that no, all of it is 100% and equally holy. It's just a question of what we are able to see, where we see that holiness, or where we see the clarity of its relevance, and where we don't see it. In fact, in fact, it's written in Sfarim that really those parts of Torah that we read and we don't see any real relevance or specialness to it, that's typically because those re- those are referring to a higher level of Torah and a higher level of kedusha, which is why it just is not revealed to us what its inner meaning is. So it's really the reverse, says Hasidus, that not only um, are all parts equal. But the parts that we understand less and the parts that we are less able to appreciate their relevance and significance really is indicative of a great high level there, which is too high for us to uh, fully, or even to a little bit, understand and comprehend now before Mashiach comes. So I want to give you, I want to go a little bit esoteric here and give you one example of this. Um, And something very beautiful that relates to the time that we're in um, between Purim and Pesach. So something that will relate both to Purim and to Pesach. Um, And we'll see the beauty of a Pasuk in the Torah that on a simple level seems, again, quite quite meaningless. So quite not relevant to us. And I'll use the Pasuk that Rambam himself uses here that I mentioned before. Um, Rambam says that there is the Pasuk Anochi Hashem Elokecha, where Hashem says that I am your God, and that's uh, you know, obviously so holy and so central. And then there's the Pasuk um, in, in, in Chumash Bereshis, in Pashas Noach, where it says, Uvnei Chum Kush that the children of Chum are Kush and Mitzrayim. And the Rambam says they're both equally holy. So, of course, Rambam says it, we believe it, and we know what it is. But we still don't know why and what's so special about knowing that the sons of Chum are Cush and Mitzrayim. Like, why is that important and what does that mean? So, it comes along the teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus and gives us a little bit of an insight into this pas- into this actual pasuk, where it says that the children of Chum are Cush and Mitzrayim, and gives us the following insight. Um, we know when we talk about Hashem, we talk about Hashem's names, they're the two primary names of Hashem that we always talk about. We talk about the name, the Yud ke Vavke, the primary name of Hashem, and then we talk, or what's called Hashem Havaya many times, and then we talk about the name Elohim, um, which is the secondary name of Hashem, and that's the one that we, talks more about Hashem's uh, severity, concealment, um, and where Hashem connects to us in more of a natural way. And that's why the world was created with the name Elohim, Beresh is bara Barah Elohim. And throughout the six days of creation, the name Elohim is always the one that's used because that's the one that's involved in creation and in concealment and in nature. Only on Shabbos, the seventh day, the day of Revelation, is the name Yud Kevavke mentioned in the Chumash. Okay, now, the name Elohim is made up of five letters. There's Aleph Lamed Hey, and then there's Yud Men. Um, Kabbalistically, the Hebrew letters are they are used in so many different ways, and they're juxtaposed, and every word can be written in many, many different ways. Those five letters can be rearranged and rearranged, and so many different, each different way of arranging the letters represents different um, tsirufim, it's put together the letters, different energies that come from Hashem to this world. So it says... In the, again, and this is primarily from the Kabbalah Sfarim, that if you have five letters of the name Elohim, they have 120 ways, 120 formulations, if you will, of the way those five letters can be set up and arranged, representing 120 different types of energy that come forth from the name Elohim that become the energy for all forms of creation in this world. That's a, that's a mathematical concept. You have five letters. Five letters can be rearranged in 120 ways. Now, <laughs> bear with me here. If you have if five letters can create 120 formulations, so 120 divided by five, so each letter each uh, letter really uh, represents 24 of those ways, right? Because uh, 24 times five is 120. So if you take the name Elohim, and it's five letters, so you have Aleph Lamed He, as the first three, and then Yud Mem. Yud Mem is the last two. So the first three, Aleph Lamed He, which is uh, the word Ela really, which represents uh, these, which is some level of revelation. And then you have the last two letters, which are Yud Mem. Those last two letters, which are Yud Mem, they are the last 48 formulations that can come forth from this word. Okay, I hope I'm being clear. If uh, if you have five letters and all together that's 120, so then each letter itself is 24. So the last two letters are 48. So therefore, the, the last two letters of Hashem's name, the Yud and the Mem, represent the. They're called the Mem Ches Tsurufim, the 48 ways of putting together divine energies that come from the name Elohim. And from these 48 energies come the very concealed and very, um, which ultimately seems like negative energies that come into this world. Because they're the last 48 Tsirufim, the last 48 ways that the name Elohim is able to affect this world. Okay, what does this have to do with what I'm talking about? The Pasuk that Rambam said, when he wanted to say, oh, there's a Pesach that seems like it's so not significant, but really it's really, really holy, is uvnecham who are the children of Chum. Chum, that name Chum is Chasmem, is 48. So here comes the Sepharim that explains to us the secrets behind the Torah, the esoterics of Torah. And they tell us, uvnecham the children of Chum, represents the children, what comes out of those 48 ways of putting together the name Elohim, putting together the severities of Hashem, the concealments of Hashem. What comes forth? B'nei cham. What comes from those 48 ways of putting together the name Elohim? And what does it say? What comes from them? So it says, B'nei kush is the first son and Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim, and that's now where, you see us, we're getting ready for Pesach, which is all about you see us, Mitzrayim. The word Mitzrayim, again going back to the Sfarim of Kabbalah and Chasidus, the word Mitzrayim is put together the word metzar which is the narrowness of me. The last two letters of Mitzrayim is Yud Mem. The metzar the narrowness of me. Now, me is also the Yud Mem, which is the last two letters of the name Elohim. It's the same me, the same Yud Mem. So, the narrowness... That comes from the end of the name Elohim is the concealment that comes from Hashem into this world. The energies that are so concealed, the times when we feel that there's difficulties, that there's Tzarus, that we don't know what's going to be, we don't see any divine intervention, we don't see divine light. All of that is the me that's in Mitzrayim, the mitzvah, the narrowness, the feeling of tsar, the feeling of Tzarus that comes from those last two letters of Hashem's name so that me that yud mem which is last two ne- letters of the name elohim that's also the yud mem of the word purim that we just came from because we're coming from purim and we all know where does the name purim come from so it says because in the megillah haman made a pur a pur is a lottery so he made the lottery and the lottery came out for the month of Adar. So Haman makes this poor. So the the holiday should have been called Pur. Why Purim? So we added the yud mem. It's the same yud mem from Mitzrayim. Is the same yud mem, which is the name, which is the end of Purim. And that's the same yud mem, which is the last two letters of the Shem Elohim of Hashem's name. So I said we took a little bit of a esoteric, esoteric trip over here. But what we're seeing over here is. The depth and the beauty of what the Rambam has told us here. The Rambam says, Oh, the Torah just says that the sons of Cham is Mitzrayim. Like, big deal. You know, why is that important? So we don't attribute so much significance to it. Says Rambam, that's because we're just looking at the Torah in such a physical plane, the way it's down here in the world, so therefore we don't see that there's something so significant about that. But when we begin to appreciate, how every word of the Torah is the word directly from Hashem. And if we don't appreciate its relevance and significance, it's only because we're seeing it at its lowest plane, down here in this world. But behind that, there's one level of Sod, and a deeper level of Sod, and a deeper level of Sod. So this is the example behind the words that the Rambam used, the words of V'nei the children of cham and how that relates to, um, to Mitzrayim, and how it relates to Purim. And it's all about that concept that there are those letters of Hashem's name that are the source of those types of severities and concealment. And ultimately, as we come to the Yom Tov of Pesach, it's about Yitsi'as Mitzrayim. And Yitsi'as Mitzrayim means the ability, the ability to go out of that narrowness. In other words, where it becomes revealed even in this world how those things that seem to be um, concealments and those things that seem to be tsaris and tsar also come from Hashem. The name Elohim, which is severity, is still severity of Hashem. And it's all ultimately part of Hashem. Um, and therefore, when, uh, as we conclude over here, and this um, this idea, this principle of understanding terim in Hashemayim, how every aspect and every detail is min Hashemayim, and it's all kedusha. And whether we experience and realize it the first time, or immediately or not, first of all, we believe that it's there, and we try to understand more and more the depth of Torah, as the Rambam told us, and I mentioned earlier, the tefillah of David HaMelech, gal Einai v'abiton nifloyes metere sacha, that we ask Hashem to reveal those neflois. And amazingly, we have here the Ramaz, that the word in the Pasuk that talks about revealing the secrets of the Torah is Gal which is Gal, is, La, is Lamed Gimel. And of course, the day that's most associated with the revelation of the secrets of Torah is Lagba Omer, which comes not, not long after Pesach, which is the earth set of Shimon bar Yochai, who's the one who taught us the Zaihar, which is the foundation of all Pneumius, of all the secrets of the Torah. So it's all, it's all connected, Gal-y-net, the revelation that comes through Pneumius of Torah, comes through the esoteric parts of Torah, which helps us, helps us appreciate, this concept of Torah is min every aspect in Torah is min and ultimately through seeing how Torah is min it helps us reveal how everything in this world is min and even the difficulties and difficulties like like those that many are going through nowadays, that Hashem should help them very uh, speedily. It should be revealed how everything is min and how ein ra Yerid nothing that comes down from heaven is bad. It's only there to bring us to a greater good and the ultimate good that all this should lead very quickly to the Gula Shlema with the coming of Mashiach the Korah of Mamash. Amen Thank you so much Thank you Okay, so as far as um, as far as I'm